TheYeshiva.net. When I grew up, since both of my parents come from the former Soviet Union, my father, Zechariah Nelevracha, was born in Mamantovka, which is near Moscow. And my mother is Ozayn Gezunt. Her family comes from Ukraine, from Poltava, and she was born in Georgia, South Russia. So, you know, Russian Jews, some of you grew up with Russian parents, some of you grew up with Russian grandparents. Russia is a very, very complicated country, if you haven't figured it out in the last few weeks. So there were two jokes that I grew up with. Joke number one is a Jew once went to the Red Square in the Kremlin, in Moscow, and he screamed out on top of his lungs, Khrushchev is a Meshuganah. You want to say it in Russian? You could say it in Russian. Okay, thank you. Very good. I think he used a different word in Russia, but I'm not going to repeat it. But the point was, Khrushchev is a Meshugana. Within seconds, of course, he was arrested, he was put on trial, and he was given a double life sentence. That's 200 years in the Gulag. So the Jew asks the judge, he says, I understand one life sentence. I said Khrushchev is a Meshugana. But why the double life sentence? And the judge said, because you committed two unforgivable crimes. The first is, you insulted the head of state. The second thing is, you revealed a state secret. Which in a way sums up some of Russia. The second story was, what's this? Okay. The second story was, a Jew went to the Red Square, and with a helicopter, he distributed one million pamphlets, one million pieces of paper, went all over the place. Immediately, the KGB arrested him, and they sentenced him to life in prison in Siberia. Why? Because you were motivating the nation to revolution. A million pamphlets in the Red Square inspiring the nation to revolt. The Jew says, I don't understand. The pamphlets were blank. There was nothing there. They said, you think you have to write something? You think we don't know what it means? I say this not only because the nightmares of Russia are back, the trauma of Russia is back, but also to appreciate tonight's event. I don't know if you know this, but the Rebbe Dayatz, the Friedrich Rebbe, the previous Rebbe, held a diary. When he came to America today, it was a Tuesday, 82 years ago, Tess Odersheni Tovshin. Same day, today, Tess Odersheni. He came to the pier, and he went to the Grayston Hotel in Manhattan. 
The Rebbe spoke at the pier, it's printed, and then he spoke in the hotel. But there's another part from the diary. That night, imagine that night, after he arrived, two, three weeks on a boat, coming from Nazi-occupied Europe, Nazi-occupied Poland, he arrived in Manhattan, there's pictures of the Kabbalah's Panem, he spoke right there, and then he spoke in the hotel, and then he finally went to retire in the hotel room of the Greyston Hotel. He writes this, he said this, he says, two, two people knocked on the door, they wanted to see the Rebbe Ayats before he retired. They heard the Fabrengen in the hotel the day he arrived, and the Rebbe writes, the Rebbe Ayat said, these were two Emes Efraint. They were real friends. They came from Chsidim. They were American Jews already. They were settled in America. And this is what they told the Friedrich Rebbe on his first night in America. They said, we're worried for your COVID and we're worried for the COVID of your parents and your Zaydus. We are frightened that you shouldn't disgrace yourself. Because when you came over the boat, you said that there's going to be a revolution. America is nishtandish. We're going to change America. The Rebbe announced the first day that he had a meeting that day, imagine. The day he arrived, he had a meeting. And tomorrow, Taim Chitmimim Lubavitch is opening up in the flat, East Flat Bushul, Oinik Shabbos. The yeshiva is opening. The first thing he did. This yeshiva. So they said, in, in nice words, you're making a fool out of the whole Chabad dynasty. You and your parents were such special people. And they said, Rebbe, Erkentnisht America. You're from Russia. You're from Poland. You don't know America. Please, you got to tone it down. You have to change your vocabulary. What's going to happen is all your dreams will turn out to be colossal failures. Your ambitions will be shattered, and you're going to become Khalila, the laughingstock of American Jews. Honor, please, Habrachmanis, Avzich, Lubavitch. And don't speak this way. You, your ambitions have to be much more modest. <laughs> if you knew the Friedrich Kedeva, what do you think his response was? So the Friedrich Rebbe said these words. I have to say it in Yiddish, and then I'll translate. He said, Maybe you could now understand how many tears I shed during my first Kriya Shmasha Al-Hamita on the soil of the United States of America. The words didn't make a dent. Because Bechlal, a Rebbe, is an Atzmi. An Atzmi means you're not defined by circumstances. You define the circumstances. You know who you are, and you know what your mission is, and you're a divine ambassador. So it didn't make a dent. But the tears came from the fact that he realized that even his closest people are not, are not in. They're not getting it. The Rebbe went on. He did his work. 82 years later, 
We know what happened to the United States of America as a result of the work of the Rebbe Ayats and the Rebbe. We know what happened to Temchit Mimim Lubavitch in the United States of America and in all the sniffum around the world. But understand the tears that were shed this night. Tess Adar Shani, early Yud Adar Shani, 82 years ago. Those tears of a Rebbe who foresaw a future and dreamt and craved that his people and the people will ultimately be able to embrace it and identify with it. And you know, probably the best way to describe this transformation, the two ways of looking at a crisis, at a challenge, I think the best way to describe it is based on one scene that we're all going to read this week. If I were to ask you, you'll forgive me if I describe it this way, and I just like to bring things out in a vivid way. If I were to ask you to give me a psychological profile of Esther, what type of person was she? If I read the Megillah, the first four chapters, I would tell you, she was timid, she was reserved, she was very quiet, she was very modest. Her namesake, Esther, she was hidden, and she was fearful. And I'll prove it to you. It says she had no father, she had no mother, she was an orphan. So she didn't have that security. Mordechai raised her, and the Megillah says whatever Mordechai says, that's what she did. She was always loyal to him. How When she finally grows older, she's abducted and now taken to a king. She's not given a choice. And finally, he chooses her as his wife. She never wanted. She can't even tell him that she's Jewish. So the Megillah basically says, all the girls that Achashverosh chose, they all asked for different things. The only one who didn't ask for anything is, She didn't even ask for anything. It's almost like the picture of a girl who went through so much and doesn't even feel she's allowed to ask for anything. And finally, when she's growing up, Achashverosh now abducts her, she's the queen, but nobody even knows who she is. Her name was really Hadassah, the Gemara says. So why does she have the name Esther? Because Esther describes what type of person she was. She was very hidden. Her identity was eclipsed. And then, when Mordechai says, go risk your life to save the Jews, she's like, you got the wrong person. I have been through enough. I have been through enough. Again, I'm afraid. You have to know my husband. He's a drunkard, Persian, Meshuggah, alcoholic, narcissistic, addicted personality. Why are the women smiling? <clears throat> Whatever, I'm not going to analyze that. I'll look this way. It's better. The men want to know what he just said. But what happens is, she tells Mordechai, I can't. My husband, you go in without permission. Yeah, you go in without permission. You come out with a head shorter. Leave me alone. Mordechai, find somebody else to jeopardize your life. That's what we have with Esther, the first four chapters of the Megillah. Suddenly, everything changes. Mordechai sends her back a message. And his final words are, Maybe you became a queen for this moment. And suddenly, in a single moment, Esther reinvents herself. From a timid reserved, quiet, passive, clandestine, secretive, private person. The Gemara in Sanhedrin Ayin Dalit asks, how was Esther even allowed to go to Achashverosh? It's Gilead Arayas. 
You're supposed to sacrifice your life. Amar Abaya Esther Karka Oilam Hoysa. Esther was passive throughout. She initiated nothing. She was completely passive. You can't blame her for anything. Suddenly, this passive woman, not only does she say, I'm going to go in, suddenly she starts telling Mordechai what to do. He's the head of the Sanhedrin. He raised her. He mentored her. And suddenly she says, She gives Mordechai advice. From this point, she calls all the shots. She is the one who directs everything. She devises a strategic plan of how to lure Haman and her husband into a trap. She saves the people. If I have to perish, I'll perish. And you scratch your forehead and ask, how did this transformation happen in a few seconds? What happened to Esther? Literally a new person. It's like a new soul, a new ticket on life, a new identity, rebirth. How? The answer was given by the Rebbe once at a Purim Fabrengen, Purim Tavshin Chavbez, 1962. It was one line of Mardechai that became a game changer. Mardechai told her, Who knows if this is not the reason you became a queen. At that moment... Esther suddenly got what you may call an Neshama Chadosha, an Neshama Yisera. What Mordechai was telling Esther was, nothing about your life is a mistake. Nothing about your life is a coincidence. You have lost your father, you have lost your mother, you have been an orphan, you have been raised by strangers, by a cousin, Mordechai was a first cousin, you have been abducted by a Persian monarch, the whole trajectory of your life was one long tragedy. Remember, Esther was a regular girl. Esther was a valedictorian of Beis Rivka, and of Beis Yaakov, and of Beis Ruchel, and of Beis Sora, and of maybe Bnoisi, and Bruyer, Shalamis, Neve, I don't want to discriminate. She was valedictorian, she was a great girl. She was unbelievable. The trajectory for her life was a real boss. So suddenly she ends up the first lady of Amelech Tipish at Sadreta Meshugana addict in Persia. Mardechai says, none of it was a mistake. Mi yoideya. It's l'mayla min adas. Ad eloyoda. Im la'eis kozois higat l'malchus. But it was all purposefully orchestrated by the Rebbeinu Shalolam that you should be the queen today, even though it happened five years ago, to save Klal Yisrael. When Esther sensed this in her bones viscerally, suddenly she was transformed. From a victim, she was turned into a leader. From a timid, reserved, fearful, passive person, Esther becomes the one who saves the day. That's of course why the Megillah is called Megillah's Esther. No other character in the Megillah surprises us. Mordechai is predictable throughout. He's always the same tzaddik. Haman is always the same Hitler. Achashverosh is always drunk. Nobody surprises us. Everybody follows what the therapist said they're going to be in 30, 40 years. The only one who surprises us is Esther. She reinvents herself. How? The moment you feel in your bones, suddenly life doesn't define you. You define life. There is the fire in one's belly. 
The Gemara says in Saita, Ha'arain noisei es noisov. The Arain carried those who carried it. Some things in life, you're carrying it. You think you're carrying the Arain. You're not carrying the Arain. By carrying the Arain, you become carried. Esther at that moment, when she identified herself with something larger than life, she was elevated to a different place. She became a different person. It's the only way I can explain what's happening right now with the graduates of Toymchit Mimim Lubavitch, the 183 Shluchim in Ukraine. I have many friends living in Ukraine. The first Mitzvah Shabbos after the war. The first Mitzvah, I don't know if you know this. I had the schus in 92 when the first building was built. Actually, I had the, the so the, the last recorded sikh of the Rebbe is Thursday, Vayakel, Chav Dalit Adar Aleph Tav Shinun Beis. The last time the Rebbe spoke was Shabbos. Monday was the stroke, Chav Zayin Adar. The last recorded sikh is Thursday night. I was there. The Rebbe said something I knew at the time was very strange. In fact, I was one of the writers of the Sikhs, and I didn't understand what the Rebbe said. And Shabbos, he repeated it again. The Rebbe said, you can hear it, it's the last recording of the Rebbe that exists. Thursday, Vayakel, Chavdalet, Adar, Aleph, Tovshin, Unbeis, 92. The Rebbe said as follows. It's Parshas Vayakel. Vayakel means gathering. So this is the week of Kibbutz Goliath. It's the week of gathering the Jewish people from exile to Eretz Yisrael. He said, there's still one country, and then he said, maybe two, where Jews can't leave to Eretz Yisrael easily. It's with a lot of danger. But most countries, they could go to Eretz Yisrael easily, and let's hope that this will transform the situation in this one country. Nobody knew what the Rebbe meant. Israel took out from Ethiopia people a year before. Jews of Iran mostly left. And actually the Iranians let them leave. Even Syria, they let them leave. The Rebbe said there's a country, maybe two. But the Rebbe said, the Rebbe said, he said let's hope this Vayakal is going to end it. And they'll come to Yisrael. And they'll have Menuchas Hanafesh, Menuchas If You can hear the recording. 30 years to the day. Thursday, Parshas Vayakal, Chavdalet Adar Aleph, Putin, Putin invaded Ukraine. 30 years, Tavshinun Beis, Tavshin Pei Beis, to the day. Thursday morning, that day, Ukraine was invaded. L'chadchile, they thought, he's not targeting civilians. Everything will be fine. All the shluchim decided to stay. Mitzay Shabbos, I called Rabbi Moskovich in, uh, in Odessa. Uh, sorry, in, in Kharkov. And I'm speaking to his son, Mendel, Rabbi Moshe Moskovich's son, men who was, who's raised there, grow up there, there's a shliach there. And there's bombs, there's bombs. He tells me he's in a shelter with all the kids and 11 families, they're in a shelter. They sang Shabbos, they fabreng Shabbos. I said, you sound calm. <laughs> I hear bombs. Why are you so calm? He said, it's very, very difficult. And it's very, very serious. But you should just know that everything I learned in Chesidus my whole life, Everything I ever learned was for these moments. Everything I ever learned about Emunah, Betochen, Mesiris Nefesh, Avis Yisrael, leadership, caring, taking a stand, Ichpatiyut, it was all a preparation, not for anything that happened before, for this moment. 
And he tells me, he says, that when you know what your mission is, you can be calm in the most excruciatingly difficult moments. Of course, a few days later, when the civilians started to be bombed, everybody realized they have to leave with their families. Besides the few extraordinary heroes who are still behind in order to remain with their families, including my cousin and Yana Petrovsk and a few others who didn't want to leave their communities. But when you look at them, this happened Erev Shabbos. A friend of mine called up Rabbi Levitansky from Sumi. And he left. Sumi was besieged. Sumi was, was bombed very heavily. So he left with his family. California boy. So a friend of mine calls him up and says, besides all the money for the refugees and for the buses and for the communities and for the Jews who are behind and for the Jews who need a new place, I want to send you money for you, for you and your family. What do you need? With a pshittis, with a simplicity, he responds. He says, for me and my family, you don't realize. We left before last Shabbos. So all of my kids have even Shabbos clothes. Not only do we have regular clothes, we have even Shabbos clothes. We don't need anything. We have even Shabbos clothes. What do we need? The whole world, whoever is watching, is startled. Those who went to Eretz Yisrael are 24 hours on the phone trying to settle, either bring out their communities or settle them as refugees. Rabbi, my friend Rabbi Yudi Tachtel in Berlin just welcomed 205 orphans from Odessa, took a hotel for 205 orphans, is feeding them, nurturing them with Rabbi and Rebetzin Wolf from Odessa. And the president of Germany, the president of Germany, Westmeyer, came to have lunch with Rabbi Tachtel and Wolf and their Rebetzins and all the orphans. And he's standing there with a bunch of kids singing, And I'm rubbing my eyes, the president of Germany... Standing near Rabbi Tachtel, the Lubavitcher in Berlin, singing Oseh Shalom. And the question is, everybody here grew up with the Zalbekasha. What, what is this? What are the people made out of? And the answer is this line. The blood in Taimchitmimim is saturated with this line of Mordechai. Mioideya. When you have a mission burning in your chest and heart, then you're unstoppable. Not because you're not normal. Not because you're naive. Not because you're not afraid. Not because you don't have to pay bills. Not because you don't have trauma. Not because you don't have insecurities. Not because you don't have challenges. We all got our traumas. But what happens is, the Orion carries those who carry it. You become redefined by a mission statement. And that becomes your very identity. And you, yes, you go into a different league. The Rebbe spoke at a dinner of Taim Chitmimim in 1942. A couple of years ago. It was the 50th, what was it? Tafresh Nun Zion. So, Samach Zion. I learned in another yeshiva, so I have to do it this way. Samach Zion, Ayin Zion, Pei Zion, Sadik Zion. Okay, very good. 45 years, I figured it out. 45 years. <laughs> That's why I know my English. That's why I got my English, by the way. 
Because when you have insecurity, when you have a lot of insecurities, you got to compensate. You know what I mean? Okay. So, <laughs> it's an inside joke. They know what I'm talking about. <laughs> At the 45th anniversary, the Rebbe spoke about Tamchitmimim, and he asked, What makes the yeshiva unique? And he spoke about three different aspects. One of them was this. It's printed in the Rishimahs. They found it years later. Nobody knew about the speech, those who were there 42. In recent years, it was discovered. And the Rebbe said, one of the things that makes it different is that the, every student is inculcated with the idea, the concept, that nothing in your life is a mistake. And if you end up somewhere, despite the circumstances, you are on a mission. So the circumstances don't trap you. You define the circumstances because it's all part of your mission. And if I would ask you single-handedly, what defines the difference between a person who's happy and a person who's miserable? What defines the difference between a person who has inner wholeness and a person who's ultimately a slave internally? So most people will say, well, if you had a good childhood. True. A good childhood helps. If your father and mother gave you the four S's, you were seen, you were soothed, you were safe, and you were secure. Yes, it helps a lot. All of these things help. But who grew up in a perfect home? Who? Who grew up in a... You're not raising your hand? Every life has challenges. It would be perfect to grow up in a perfect home, perfect environment. doesn't exist. Since the Tzimtzum, since the Tzimtzum, there's been a trauma that faces existence until the Gula. What's the key? The key is one line. Do I define my challenges or do my challenges define me? If my challenges define me, I'm a victim. If I define my challenges, I say, It's exactly this life story that allowed me to become the person I became today in order for me to fulfill that specific mission I have today. And every student of Temchitmimim carries this in their blood in one way or another. And in a moment of crisis, in a moment of crisis, the one facing 350,000 Jews in Ukraine, may Hashem protect all of them. That fire, that light comes to the fore in the most dramatic, intense way to the point that people who are sensitive and conscientious and aware rub their eyes in disbelief and say, Mi yolad Who created such neshamas? Who molded such souls? Who crafted such individuals? The yeshiva here was created by the Rebbe Rayats. Ten years after he came the first time to America. First time he came to America was 1929. I don't know if you know the Maisa. He came to raise funds for Soviet Jewry. You know the story? It's very interesting. He went around almost a year. Most Jews said, we have the money in bonds. At the end of the year, before you go back, we'll give you the money. That's when the depression happened. 1929. And most of the money the Rebbe never got. People don't realize what he went through. Most of the money that he collected for Soviet jury stuck under Stalin. He never got because of this. There was one Jew who was a very successful entrepreneur. He had 
a fabric, a uh, fabric, a factory for clothing. He came here like every refugee. He came from a Chabad family from Russia. So the Rebbe decided to go visit him in order to inspire him. The challenge was, like many Jews, he came to America and he became distant from Yiddishkeit and from his ancestry. So the Rebbe went to visit him, the Rebbe Rayatz. Now imagine the scene. The guy comes out and he says, who's waiting for me? So the secretary says, a rabbi, a rabbi. So he goes and he says, give the rabbi a check for $18. In 1929, a check for $18 was a check for $900. Nishge Ferla. So the Rebbe says, I didn't come for a check. I want to speak to him. So he comes out. He says, Rabbi, I have five minutes. He's telling the Rebbe, I have five minutes. What are you here for? Money? He says, no. He says, what are you here for? The Rebbe, all the Rebbe, besides being holy, they were also brilliant. So he points to the kapota. And he says, the button in my kapota, yeah? He speaks to me in Yiddish. He knows Yiddish. He's a Russian Jew. The button is falling off. And I heard that you have a chush in sewing. So maybe you could fix my kapote. So the man, right, he's running a huge company of clothing. He knows how to sew. He says, that's why you came to me? He says, he, he, he nods. He says, where are you coming from? He said, from Riga, from Latvia. He says, from Riga to New York is 5,000 miles. You came by boat. 1929. Are you telling me that you traveled 5,000 miles so that I should fix your kapota? There's nobody to sew a button in Latvia? And the Rebbe Rayatz, whose eyes were the eyes of a Malach Elikim, looked at him and said, why is that unbelievable to you? He says, why is it unbelievable to me? Because I just don't believe that a person gets on a boat and travels 5,000 miles to fix a button of a kapote. It just does not make sense. Tell me why you're really here. So the Rebbe looks at him and says, granted. And now I want to ask you a question. The journey from Riga to New York is 5,000 miles. Now tell me, how long and how far is the journey of an Ashama from heaven to earth. How many miles is it from a neshama who is part of Hashem, how many miles is the journey from heaven to earth? He says, probably infinite. So the Rebbe looks at him and he says, you can't believe that I came 5,000 miles to fix a button. And you want me to believe that your neshama traveled infinite miles just to be able to run a factory that sews many buttons? You want me to believe that? This he didn't expect. <laughs> As our rabbi, he didn't expect. He was stunned. In a moment, the Rebbe transformed him. You have a factory, Gvaldik, Moiradik, but you think your Neshama came down to the world infinite miles, so that you could give us buttons for our jackets? I said the story at the Bar Mitzvah of one of my boys. So you know my brother Baruch has a good sense of humor. So when I finish, he gets up and he says, 
And the man went and he renamed his company Lord and Taylor. <laughs> Not bad. And people are still asking me, to talk it that way? I don't think so. If you'll Google it, there's probably another reason for Lord and Taylor. But it was a good word. Lord and Taylor. You want to be a Taylor? Gewaldik, Meiderdik. Schneider is one of the better jobs these days. Safe, secure. You can always rely on it. Shmatas will always be available. However, the question that Taim Chitmimim puts into the child is, can I wake up in the morning and ask every day that question? Can I justify the journey of my soul? Which is Atzmus Ein Soiv Baruch It's an embodiment of Hashem Himself. Not 5,000 miles, not 20,000 miles, but infinite miles here to the earth. Can I justify it? How do I answer that question? And it doesn't mean for the person who is living in Ukraine. Every person in his or her tchum, because there's always that one person whose life I can touch. That one student, that one child, my child, my nephew, my niece, my friend, my stranger, for whom I can make all the difference. I want to tell you something I'm feeling. I travel a lot. There's a trauma in American Jewry now. Everybody knows that 80 years ago, American Jews did not respond to the Holocaust the way they were supposed to. It's a fact. Avada, people sent checks, people sent to Hillel. But the bottom line is, even though who could stop Hitler? Only God. And ultimately the Allies had to get it together. Whoops. But fart, American jury. The Rebbe once said this out of Fabrengen, after the Six Day War. American jury, he said, was very passive during the Holocaust. It was, it was not happening. American Jews know this. And everybody feels it. And there's a guilt that's very deep in American jury since then. And now... Of course, not to compare one era to another, but people are feeling this. There's a fire, people are feeling it. There's like this, this, this bikush, this bikush. We can't say Hashemer Achi Anoichi. Kayin says, Hashemer Achi Anoichi. Am I my brother's keeper? Yosef says, Es Achai Anoichi Mevakesh. Of course, I'm my brother's keeper. I search for my brothers. What creates the difference between the two approaches? It's the essence of the Yeshiva Taimchitmim where the Rabbeim created and continue to create people who are regular people, but they will never sit back and say, am I my brother's keeper? Their motto is, es I search for my brothers. The Rebbe Dayatz once spoke about the mission statement of Temchit Mimim. I don't know how many people know this. It's printed in the Kuti Deburim. And he said, not often do you see, what's the mission statement of your school? And he says, Taimchit Mimim Labavitch was built on four foundations. Now, if you would go around this room and ask people to say, what are the four foundations upon which Taimchit Mimim Labavitch was built? I wonder how many people would be Mechavin? You know, <laughs> because somebody spilled the beans last week. It's a page in the Kutat Deburim. You have to know where it is. The story about Rebbe Vramela Plotkin baking the matzah. Listen to the Rebbe's words. Rebbe Dayatz. Taim Chitmimim Labavitch was built on four foundations. I'm going to quote them. Belosh Foundation number one, 
MS, truth, authenticity, integrity, truthfulness, honesty. Foundation number one. Foundation number two, it was built on Liebschaft, love. Foundation number two, it was built on Ibergegebenkeit, dedication. Foundation number four, Getreischaft, loyalty. Authenticity, integrity, love, dedication, and unwavering loyalty. And he says, from the leaders to the students, and therefore from the students to those who were in yeshiva. It started off with the founders, the teachers, the Rosh Yeshivas, the Mashpiyim, the Mashgichim, the Mechanichim, the educators. Truth. It's all about truth, real truth, nothing but the truth. Number two, as he says, every student had to feel the love like they could feel from their own father, biological father and mother. Number three, feel the dedication like they feel from their own father and mother. Healthy father and mother, that is, of course. There are others. We're talking about functional parents, normal parents. And number four, the same loyalty. And when you feel that loyalty, you could reciprocate. Those are the four foundations that he describes for the Yeshiva Tem Chetmim Labavich. Talk about being ahead of your time. This was said in the 1930s. When Matmachigabin Fresk from here to China. I remember when I was in a yeshiva, I was in a different yeshiva, but I still remember a teacher telling a boy, I don't know if I should translate it. Not the most nurturing statement in the history of pedagogy. Right? What, we, what, we, what we're learning today more and more is... What, <laughs> what we're learning today more and more is... At least that's how I feel. When I watch a child and I see a child losing it, what they used to call in my days, chutzpah, right? It used to be like, where did he become such a chutzpah? We got to teach him a lesson. Today, I guess from a little maybe experience, my instinctive response is, I want to know what's going on in his family. I want to know what's for dinner. I want to know what that kitchen looks like. I want to know what's going on in this kid's nervous system. I want to know what his amygdala looks like. Give me a, give me a CAT scan of his limbic brain. I want to see what's happening with his prefrontal lobes. I want to see. I want to see. And you know what happens? It changes everything. When you believe in people, they believe in themselves. When you become an empathetic witness for people, when it's all about empathy, everything changes. Everything is transformed. And tonight we salute all of those educators, all of those selfless teachers and principals who day in and day out who day in and day out embody the four foundations that the Rebbe Ayats laid down for Taimchit Mimim, including when he built it here on these shores 82 years ago, MS. Lipshaft, Ibegegebenkeit, Ungetreischaft. Altigui bimeshichoi, Eluti Noikes, Shalbeis Rabon. Thank you, thank you to all those teachers who are in an Avoidus HaKodesh that is often 
requires tremendous mysterious nefesh. Mysterious nefesh because day in and day out, you're dealing in a type of avoider where there's often little appreciation and many complaints. And it's important at least once a year and maybe once a month to call up the child's teacher and say, I just want to say thank you. He came home. I saw his face. He was so excited about what you shared today. I just want to say thank you. And I want to tell you something. I spoke a few days ago to the Shliach in Bellevue, Washington. The name is Rabbi Mordechai Farkash. He calls me, and this is what he tells me. What a lesson in life, my friends. Listen to this. He says, I met a Jew. A Jew from Yerushalayim who had a business. The business came on hard times, and he was in debt to many people in Yerushalayim, some tough people he got involved with, and they made his life so miserable that he pushed started to get scared. And after years of suffering, you'll forgive me, he decided he can't take it anymore. He's going to do the unthinkable. He's going to make an end to his misery. This is a father, a husband, a Jerusalem Jew. He's going to work today. And he decided there's a bridge in Yerushalayim. You can easily go off the bridge and you go in down a cliff into the abyss. And in two seconds, it's finished. He's going out of the house. He says goodbye to his wife. She doesn't know it's the last time they're going to see each other. As he's going into his car to go to work in Yerushalayim, she calls him by his name and she says, wait, 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 you're going to work. Do me a favor. Our son is a student in the Chebine Yeshiva in Yerushalayim. He, needed, he dorms there and he stays there and he needs something. He needs something. I prepared a package for him. Could you please drop off this package on the way to work to Chebine Yeshiva? Ooh, this was a problem. Because he was going off a bridge and the Chebine Yeshiva wasn't on the way. But he thought to himself, don't be Aza Rosh Merusha. The last thing you do in your life is you do a favor for your son. I'll kill myself on the way back from work. Ma'iya, ma'iya. The Chavah Kaddish and Yerushalayim are always ready. Yoshev B'Seisa by day, Yoshev B'Seisa by night. The cigarettes are available. This is for the Yerushalayim. The American of Ashtayin is Yoshev B'Seisa. Yerushalayim Aves. He'll kill himself on the way back from work. Yeah, ma'iya. He'll live another couple of hours. He takes the bag, he gets into the car, he goes to the Chibini Yeshiva. He stops by the door, he goes to the door, opens the door, and the Mashgiach comes out, Mashgiach of the Yeshiva, the one, the spiritual Mashpiyah of the Yeshiva. And he says, is it possible to call out this Bacher? I have a bag, his mother wanted to send something to him. He said, he's learning, let me just give it over to him. He says, okay, fine. He thought first he's a taxi driver. He says, and who are you? He says, I'm delivering the package. He, he wants to leave. He says, are you his father or are you just delivering it? He says, I'm his father. I'm his father. The Mashgiach looks at him and he says, wow. What schus do you have to have such a boy? Tell me the schus. Azad dement. Your son is a diamond. Atachshet. A mensch, a heart, a cup, a neshama. So lovable, such a source of light, 
of sensitivity. We love every moment that he's in yeshiva. It's a privilege for us. I want to know, what did you do right to have such a boy? Anyway, he says, it's amazing who your boy is. He goes back to his car, and he thinks to himself, I'm going to commit suicide because I'm in debt millions of shekel. I have such a boy. I'm going to take away from this boy his father forever. Turn him into a yasim by choice. For what? Because of money that I owe? I have a wonderful wife. I have such a family. Am I crazy? He pushed it, knocked sense into his head. He went to work. He came home. He left Eretz Yisrael. He moved to the United States of America. He paid up much of his debt. He's connected now to a Chabad community in the United States. And he shared with the Shliach the story. Who called me. I said, why are you calling me with the story? He said, Du wissen, wie zu es nutzen. So he was right. <laughs> think about it. Think about it. We are often so stingy with words. Do you know what it means to call a teacher and say, I want you to know the impact you're having on my child? To call a principal, to call a moira, to call a mechanech, to call a mashpia, to call somebody and give them the feedback. And do you know what it is? To tell a parent about their child. What it is to tell a child about himself or about herself. We need to be, we need to stop being stingy with words. We need to get rid of the Russian trauma of emotional constipation. Learn from Zelensky how to express yourself emotionally. Isn't it amazing? Charlie Chaplin, he was a comedian. Charlie Chaplin transformed into Winston Churchill. Amazing. A Jew, a 44-year-old Jew, he was a comedian. He was by Kamenetsky at a dinner doing comedy skits. Scavengers and Ganyisrol he did. Comedy skits. And suddenly he became the statesman of the world. Biden fluffed. And Zelensky is like, hey, there's still something to fight for. And Americans, oh really? There's something to fight for? We never knew there's anything to fight for. We thought the last thing there is to fight for is that boys should be able to be girls and girls should be able to be boys. Atkan. There's really, there's identity, there's a nation, there's morality, there's good, there's evil, there's life, there's death. One Jew, a comedian, Lechayda, stood up how? The answer is, he heard that line from Mordechai. Mi yoidea, And it changes everything. You become a different person. And you change the world. He changed the consciousness of the world. Britain, Germany, even the Switzerland. The Yekas in Switzerland who haven't woken up since 1922. They, they weren't ready to do sanctions on Hitler. Even they're doing sanctions. I don't know if it's going to help with Putin, whatever. I don't want to reveal state secrets. What do you see from this? You see from this the power of leadership. The power of authenticity, the power of love, the power of loyalty, the power of dedication. Thank you to dedicated teachers. Mazel tov for the Chanukah Sabayis for a new building. Mechayil el Chayil, Varikoisi lachem bracha, ad blidai. Thank you very much. 
This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.